Silencio. Hi guys, it's future editing Chris here on the mic, on my own, sounding like an absolute crazy person in my flat. Um, just to give you a massive heads up, I think we do say it at some point, but a massive heads up, huge spoiler warning for Mulholland Drive. This film is one that is probably best just to be experienced as it is without looking anything up before or hearing us four talk about it. So if you are interested in this, Please, by all means, give this a listen, but after you've seen the film, okay? So huge spoiler warning. We will be talking about everything and trying to explain it in our own way, okay? And talking about the whole film. So massive spoiler warning. I love you. Hello and welcome to Realize, In Dreams Club's film and TV podcast. My name is Chris Sloan. I am joined, as always, by my hetero life partner, Andrew Muggleton. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. And you're good? I'm I'm very good. I'm actually very good this evening. Um, surprisingly, we are joined by two others uh, for mm. this episode. Um, making his realise debut, it is our good friend, the the ever elusive Willie Big Willie G. <laughs> How- good evening. <laughs> How are you doing? Are you right? Yeah, not too bad, mate. I've just just seen the film myself, so I'm ready to dig in. Excellent. Uh, and we are also joined by one half of. Uh, YouTube and TikTok sensations Jez and Tom. We've got Tom Flynn in the house. How are you doing, Tom? Pleasure to be here. Doing very well. Um, Right. So this episode, as you'll have seen from the title of the podcast, is all about David Lynch's 2001 film Mulholland Drive. Um, Mm. I think, you know, so in terms of how we are going to go about this, me and Andy um, have have seen this film. I think I've seen this film like three or four times now. And I think I'm sure, Andy, you've seen it a bit more as well. Um, Yeah, it's similar, similar levels. But I think... um, Will and Tom, this is your first time watching it, and maybe like your first time watching a, a feature-length David Lynch movie, which is quite an experience. Um, so I think, uh, let, I don't know, let's start. Tom, well, do you want to yes, kick so off this, with some thoughts? You might fir- have? Uh, well, technically, third real encounter with Lynch. Uh, the first being um, the, the, the the sort of monkey, weird monkey detective thing, which I watched. I kind of half watched, <laughs> half on my phone, you know, one of those watches. And then went, wow, that was odd. I haven't yeah. watched that And yet, then uh, kind of just, yeah, it was it's like only 15 minutes long or something. So then I kind of skipped off and then went straight back to Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And then... The second yeah, nice. thing I knew about Lynch was the uh, the the infamous iPhone advert. Well, not actual iPhone advert, where he kicks off about watching a. You can't watch a fucking movie on your telephone, and that's all I knew about. <laughs> oh yes, I totally forgot about <laughs> yeah, that. So, yeah, first Lynch rip, first proper experience, and I'll tell you what. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely one I won't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do, you have any, uh, do you have any idea of what what, what you what you watched? Oh well, okay. So I read um, I read a review after watching it, and it said, "If you like movies that make sense, 
this film is not for you. And I think that movie just completely, <laughs> completely like it's spot. That review is spot on because I, I left just with more yeah, questions yeah, yeah. than uh, than I came in with. Um, Will, um, what was your like just initial sort of reaction? Like, did you I guess like, did you like it? Like, uh... I did like it. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed most of it. Um, I was sitting watching it uh, with my girlfriend and she did not enjoy it so much <laughs> i i think she got into the meta of it uh, towards the end a lot more than i did mm. um so i think she turned about and started to enjoy the end um yeah so i've i've heard a lot about david lynch but never actually seen anything of his mm. and i now realize that i've kind of seen like parodies of um i've definitely seen a parody of the scene in mulholland drive where they're in the diner um where it's the two blokes oh yeah, yeah. um that was actually gonna be one of my uh, first questions for you guys about this film is how bad did you shit your pants when that uh when that like homeless dude homeless monster thing, kind of thing like comes around the corner not <laughs> oh, really oh, okay I, I, well so i was i i was really weirded out by it but i did think i was watching the mighty boosh yeah. if, exactly <laughs> i was gonna say it's a mighty boosh character if ever i've seen one oh man i think i had like nightmares about that for weeks the first time i saw that <laughs> i don't think there's any doubt that they would have taken some some huge inspiration from david lynch over their career and hmm. um, but i will i will say on that note and i'll probably say this several times like I was very surprised by how tense it is, even mm. though it, it, it comes across as being very hammy and very hacky. He still manages to create tension in that, and I, I can't put my finger on how he does it. It is, I, I, is quite incredible. I think there's a number of things that he does, but does it, like any other ideas about well, how he might create that sort of tension? Because I think... There's two things that stick in my mind about how David Lynch does that, and he does it in he, he does this same thing in like every film he does, but he's so good at it. Um, I don't know if you noticed, obviously, like that bit we were talking about where he goes, where he you see that horrible face appear and the the person like faints or dies or whatever. Um, the first person camera perspective, um, right? That that perspective of when you see it's it's sort of like you can see the camera jiggling as though it's someone walking, you know, left foot then right foot. He does that, and the way that he sort of you'll be coming up to like a corridor or going round a corner like it is going round that corner where the creepy thing is. Nobody captures that horror or dread of what could be round the corner quite like David Lynch does. Mm. Yeah, what, uh, that, you're totally right. What he does is he presents you with corners that you don't want to look round. Yeah. And, that, and then he looks round it. But he does it in this kind of, it's this, yeah, like this walking kind of motion that will slightly dreamlike as well because it's almost slow motion but not quite because it's swaying. And the time it takes to, to go round that corner is just enough time to make you worried about what's going to be round that corner. Um, and that's one of the, that's, it's so incredible the way it's done. That's one of the things actually that is interesting is throughout the film, he goes round lots of corners but sometimes it's fine and sometimes it's not. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing, nothing in the the build up to actually let you know whether you're about to see a dead body, a monster, mm. whether you're going to jump cut in time, whether it's going to be someone cheating on someone else. And it's, yeah, uh, that that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think if you I, if you see a few other um, some of his other films and things like Twin Peaks. You, you begin to see that motive going in a lot of his, his kind of work um, and he's just very effective at doing it. Um, Chris, what was the other thing you were thinking of? Well, I, I, this is another thing that's the same for like everything, especially 
Twin Peaks and this one is the music. Mm. Like, e- e- even mm. when you're sort of like not, it's not like an overt track, there's something in the background that is just there. It's a, it's a similar thing to, um, uh, what, what am I thinking of? Where there's a film where there's just sort of like, there's a constant noise. It's like a tone underneath. Yeah. Like Dunkirk does it by relaying the tone and it just keeps that kind of tension building. Yeah. And, and it's, it's but I noticed there was also a yes, lack of Yes, you're right, Will. Noise. Sorry, I think Shining does it 100%. And um, I also think it's... Is it The Dark Knight? That is, is it the, the... I think it's like the Joker's yeah, theme Joker's or something. Theme. Yeah, it, it just sort of really... It's so slow and quiet at the beginning, but it's something there. And then it builds this like crazy crescendo and it makes it so uncomfortable to listen to. Um, yeah. Yeah, really hey, cool on, way. On a, on, a, on, a, on a point with that, um, in a very similar fashion is what i found is that he seems to use like i don't know how to really say it and there's there may be an expression but do you know what diegetic music is no so it's where it's where a film um uses the sounds that would be in the world of the film as the sound effects or the music so if someone's listening to a radio and you can hear the music from the radio. That's the diegetic music because it's what the characters would hear, not a score, for example. So, so, I see. So, so there are films which only use diegetic music. So there isn't actually a score to them as per se. But what mm. this does is in place of diegetic music, it gives you like warped kind of horror, horrible noises in place of it. So there'll be scenes where the camera is just looking out the window of a car driving along with palms, um, Uh, tree palm trees kind of and stuff and where you would normally be expecting to hear the noise of traffic going past instead there's no actual noise all there is is a soundtrack of like kind of pans being clanged or deep bass notes or weird strings so it's kind of the opposite of what you would expect in a really dark fashion as well and i think that has Mm. a huge effect on on giving you that kind of uncomfortable feeling and kind of nightmarish feel to it yeah, because I think that's one of the things that is pretty consistent all the way through is the feeling that it is a nightmare. And I think he plays on that a bit by having characters say that they're in a dream or that they had a dream about mm. it. And it was exactly like this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's obviously like quite a key thing and it brings us quite nicely onto, I guess, what what do you think what do you think happened? What was the like what was the story of um of the movie? Like like Tom, what do you think was uh was going on in that film. <laughs> um, or if well, anything. Let, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I th- so for me, it felt, it felt like it was building up so much throughout the film, and I can't help but feel that sort of the last half hour felt very rushed. Mm. And it was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh god, we've been going for two hour, two and a half hours now. We just gotta, we just gotta wrap this film up, otherwise we'll be here for four hours. Mm. You know. <laughs> so, I kind of thought. So I mean. Yeah, there was a lot of I've I've left left with so many questions like who the guy with the odd shaped head was in the weird sort of Hannibal Lecter glass <laughs> box. Um who the guy who hates the coffee which seemed perfectly good <laughs> and had to so grotesquely spit it outwards. Sorry, massive spoilers alert, but I suppose this Yeah, is, this is the territory <laughs> of spoilers from now on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um so I mean as far as I'm aware, we have the main character um, Naomi Naomi Watts character, and so she Be- is a, a Betty. Yeah, so she's an aspiring actress. 
She's gone into uh, she's gone to Hollywood, the city of dreams. She's met with these two creepy old people <laughs> who wouldn't be out of place in The Shining. You know, yeah. I could see them on the on the bus, the retirement bus to the hotel. Um, and so she's now, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the, oh god, there's so so much went on, yet also nothing, yet also oh, it's uh, basically as far as I'm aware, she it was all a dream. Uh, to quote one uh, Biggie Smalls, it was all a dream. She used to read Word Up magazine, um, and she, sorry, so she, uh, and basically she, this whole Betty character was actually um, a dream, and she was she's Di- she becomes Diane yeah. at the end, yeah, yeah. or something. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I I did have to get get like when I was reading the reviews. Luckily, there was a synopsis which kind of made me go. Oh right, okay. <laughs> I, cool. I was gonna say, I was gonna that. say, man, I, like you've got such a better understanding of that than I did first time watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I left just going, what, what the hell have I just watched yeah. it? Um, Will, what, what did you get from it? Like, I guess uh, just having watched it, and like, what was your impression of what went on? I guess. So it kind of felt quite cyclical. Like it kind of feels like the box or whatever it is, is kind of being passed on from person to person. And then each character kind of takes on the guise of the next character. Like, Oh, I love it. We had, uh, what was her name in the end? It wasn't Charlene. Camilla? Camilla, yeah. Um, so we begin the film with her in the car saying, oh, though, this isn't, we don't stop here. And then near the end, we have Betty, who has become Diane, say in the same car at the same point in the journey going we don't we don't stop her mm. so but but then that doesn't really say much about any of the rest of the film which <laughs> is Diane and Camilla were partners but then yeah uh, it's, it's, again as Tom says the whole mob boss thing yeah. and trying to pressure the director into taking on an actress and then a cowboy appears. <laughs> that cowboy, man. <laughs> the scene with him is so unsettling. Yeah. It really is. I love the lighting cues in that yeah. scene. That is uh, so Lynchian, a flickering light in the in like a distance. Kind and of it 100% means something as well, but I just don't yeah. know what, but it's it definitely yeah. represents <laughs> something. Um I love the fact that you can yeah. you're watching this and you're like, "Oh, this is quite cool." Almost kind of like a like a um buddy cop kind of thing like uh trying to you know trying to work out a mystery but then you'll just get these yeah. random like it's like it just was well, seemingly random inserts of like that scene of the two guys in the diner or this random hitman who has this hilarious ridiculous um situation <laughs> where he's trying to kill someone and then keeps on having to kill an extra person you're like how does this have any relation to this film at all like is that? It that, doesn't seem to come back at yeah, all. Yeah. The character comes back, but you never like work out why that is in the film. Yeah, I mean, there's the kind of hints because he does pop up right at the end as well. Um, and this, and, and this is the beauty of this film. This is this is the this is the 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 uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? The genius of this film. Um, so yeah, let, I'll, let me touch upon a few of those points because. I think, yeah, t- Tom, obviously, I know you said coming straight out of it, you were kind of completely lost. And obviously, you read a few reviews and one of them had a bit of a synopsis. Um, Will, it sounds like you're kind of at, at that stage of like just coming out of it. Like, I don't really know what 
what was kind of happening um the so chris yeah do, do you reckon we should uh, go with just a, a rough idea of what what we think happened as well yeah and i think I, I spent a little bit of time earlier just doing a bit more reading so i've got a pretty good idea of what the like the general generally agreed synopsis of this film is because having said that you know lynch again would never ever say what it is or what it isn't um mm, but mm. you know if you do a bit of googling generally people have got the same sort of idea of what it um what it all means and then what's interesting is watching it again you kind of see things fit into place and you're like oh yeah that kind of makes sense like that and obviously at some points it's like well you have to do a bit of like gymnastics in your head to go okay well this represents this this represents this this is a dream of this this so but yeah this this is generally what the the idea of the story of this film is um but yeah go for it Andy, if you want yeah yeah so i, I was just gonna say i think re- really kind of how i feel it is is um you have diane selwyn this this actress who has gone to hollywood as you kind of said um to try and hit at large and um has has totally failed essentially um she's she's chasing this hollywood dream of being a famous actress but it's just not worked out that because it's just not the reality of it and this all this all begins to kind of come into focus after um you guys will remember the scene in the the kind of club or opera place with silencio club silencio um, and then they go back home and there's a blue box which you kind of disappear into post that scene in that box um, after that is, is is basically in my opinion real life Diane who is who is Naomi Watts's character um, and she has fallen she's as she's gone and done this she's been in a film with Camilla um, uh, and she has kind of semi fallen in love with her maybe they've had a bit of an affair here and there um, but this Camilla is also going off with the director um, as well. So there's lots of there's lots of jumps between um, her life where she kind of re- recalls some of these scenes in, in that last half an hour of the film, and it's it's done in this kind of um, non-linear fashion because it's I think the idea is that she's there at home, uh, kind of reminiscing over these various scenes in in good scenes and bad scenes, and you can see her kind of state deteriorating over time. Um, and then eventually she has this, uh, she gets invited to go to this meal, um, at the director's house and Camilla finds out, uh, well, sorry, Diane finds out that Camilla and him are going to be getting get married. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back type situation. And she, after then a long time thinking about this decides that it, she uh, Camilla's kind of besperched her name almost or something along those lines so she decides to eventually get a hitman to take out Camilla because she's she feels so betrayed by her lover um once this is done she comes to the realization um that what she has done and that she's she's essentially got someone killed and is driven to madness and ends the scene by uh, the film by shooting herself um and that is, that is the literal real world part that I think exists. I think the first two hours of the film are a dream just as she wakes up at a certain point in the, in the last half an hour. And part of that as well, or, or sorry, Chris, uh, what, do, you, do you generally agree with that? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of the way that it, 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 everything sort of 
well, stuff that I read and then you watch it again and go, oh, that kind of, well, yeah, kind of makes sense. Okay. And then yeah. obviously the rest of it being a sort of um, like her psyche, basically putting all these different pieces together to show a, like a more perfect version of her, which is the, the Betty character that really is the main character of the most of the film. Yeah. And I think it's it's so interesting with when you start that film and you go into it and you, you, you hear that people have talked about so highly of this film and blah, blah, blah. And you start it and the acting is like pretty all over the place, hammy. Lines are so cheesy and like terribly delivered and scenes just kind of fairly flop along. And it, it's, it, it would just seem so disconnected and like, what? How is this like a highly regarded film? And a lot of that oh, yeah. comes into play because at the end of the film, it is a dream. It's literally someone's... Uh, dreaming about what and how they would think things would happen in a perfect way and that's why it can be so jarring initially to watch it but so rewarding at the end to then be able to reflect and and look back at it once you realize these kind of things well that's the thing i think i was having such a tough time at the start because there was such long build-ups in each scene yeah it's just really yeah hammy acting and lines to the point where i i was like how how on earth was this made in 2001 (laughs) it felt like it was sort of like late 80s early 90s kind of just everything about it just felt like someone who hadn't quite you know just graduated film school and i was like what is how is how is everyone raving about this and then by Mm. the end it just sort of becomes so seamless and just everything just it's like um it's kind of like just it picks up momentum and just turns into a whole different beast yeah i think it's like what you said like the whole time i I was like okay all right well what have we got here we've got a bit of a murder mystery maybe so someone's trying to hunt who and then by the end of it i was like okay well i don't know what's going on but i'm so invested in this now and i can't look away and it was just the complete feeling of tension and the fact it felt almost like a horror film straight from the off yeah and i think that might have been because of the um because of the diner scene at the start, yeah. mm. I just kept thinking, I was like, oh God, another thing's going to happen like that. Another when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And just, uh, yeah, it's just a very jarring experience from the, at the start, yeah. which then became quite seamless at the end. Absolutely. Yeah, it seemed to, seemed to have um, more unsettling vibes than an actual horror film, which I thought was pretty crazy. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that's a big, a big draw to that point. Um, and I, I do want to talk uh, maybe like towards the end when we got to it, I want to look at uh, just quickly touch on some of his other stuff as well because I love talking about some of his other films as well but this one mm. this one's probably like probably my favourite in terms of how yeah. it works as a movie on its own um, I think this is this is like peak peak Lynch not Twin Peaks not Twin Peaks <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah what I think is so cool is, is it's, it's annoying because you don't want to be like oh just watch this film again just give another two and a half hours to this film but it is one of those things where like the second time you watch it you start going oh and you, and you know that what you're seeing isn't real and it is actually a dream you start to like pick up on stuff for example you know when she has this huge moment of betrayal where you know the um the director announces that him and camilla are getting engaged you know and she also just like randomly kissed this other woman right in front of her and she's having this huge breakdown at this moment she sees this guy who we know is the guy who spit out, spat out all that coffee. She sees the cowboy guy walk walk in front of her um, and she's seeing all these people at this really important point of her. And, and then kind of the, the implication of the way that I see it is that, that the dream that she has before she kills herself that we're seeing 
it's just her it's just her like memory picking these random faces to play these certain characters um absolutely and the, the, oh, the, the, that is deep man yeah that, that like really deep yeah well, it's interesting you say that because apparently they say whenever you dream, you the f- the people in your dreams are faces that you've actually seen in real life. Yeah, ah, so, I think maybe, that's yeah, cool. All this, that's his take it's all that it. subconscious stuff, and there are so many uh, building on what Chris just said. Uh, exactly at that 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 dinner scene, um, you you have the the lady who comes and kisses um, Camilla. Um, in the in the dream at the beginning when the gangsters give uh, the director a, a person that needs to be cast that person is that person who kisses camilla and in the dream the gangster's lady name is camilla as well so mm. there's a link there there's the there's the cowboy as chris said just briefly walks across uh, across at the back but maybe that's just triggered something to be some sort of threatening aspect towards the director so she'll she'll manipulate that into the into the dream and this whole gangster side of things is in my opinion just a completely made up thing in her dream that she wanted to have happen to get back at the director so she's made up oh the gangsters are coming out together and they're gonna stop him from getting the lead that he wants because the lead that he actually wants is her girlfriend or who she wants to be her girlfriend it's it's funny so in like in in real life, like the director has only really skimmed this timeline. Like he's he's come in, taken Camilla, and then announced that they're going to be married. So all of the the plot line of him being in trouble and having to go and see a flipping cowboy, yeah, and all of that is just her like taking taking it out on him in a dream. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I th- yeah, I felt so bad for him yeah. in the film. I was like, God, this guy <laughs> yeah. cannot catch a break. Um, and I was like, the poor man just wants to get a good film. And then uh, by the end, you go, Oh, right, okay. So she's putting him through the through the mill here on purpose. It's actually my favourite. Having w- this rewatch of it for me, that's the whole through line of the film was my favourite thing this time because it's just mm. so it's so funny. Because when you watch it the first time, it's kind of unsettling the bit with the cowboy and all this stuff, and it's like. And then his, you know, his wife's cheating on him with Miley Cyrus's dad, and yeah, which, which <laughs> yeah. also, which also, Chris, old town road singer, yeah, yeah. also on, exactly on that point, you you think of that in that dream sequence. So if we, if we if you if you, will you and Tom visualize that um, up until Club Silencio, and then when they go back home and they look into that box and the camera zooms into the box, from there everything before. So the whole film is the dream, is the dream that's happening. Mm. Um, yeah. the even just the tiniest things like the whole sequence with Billy Ray Cyrus and having an affair with his wife that is because at the dinner scene he the um Justin Three's character the director makes a throwaway comment about oh and she left me for the for the pool cleaner but at least I got to keep the pool and that's a throwaway line that he's talking about his last divorce that he had with his last wife that's just, right. just that she just yes. overtly yeah. hears in the distance, and now suddenly in this dream, it's an entire scene that plays out from this one line that she now creates in order to get back at him and visualize that that pain towards him. I, I actually think as well the the, the mafia storyline. I think you're right in saying that it um it is a way of her like getting back at the director for like not picking mm. her, but I think it also plays a point of almost kind of like her own um like pride and arrogance whereby Mm. she in her head in her dream she's gone well there must have been this huge plot for the reason that he picked her over me Mm, like it it can't possibly be because i wasn't good enough 
because you know like when she has that perfect audition with that creepy old guy um you know she clearly sees herself and you know everyone in the room is being like oh it's incredible you're so talented and so i think like it's it's almost like a way of going there must have been a huge conspiracy or plot for him to pick this person over me um so i think yeah. it's quite a cool way of showing like her own arrogance over over herself and her acting ability um absolutely and that's that's an interesting point actually that audition because the acting in that was so much better than the hamminess yeah mm. Like, it, it kind of goes hyper-real for a second. Yeah. And, like, it really emphasises it. And, again, that's her then visualising herself being this perfect actress. So, suddenly, it is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's... there's so, now, now I, I think, hopefully, you can, you can begin to see that, like, how this film is beginning to mould into something completely different than what you probably felt as you came out of it. Um, there's a few other, like you can go down the longest rabbit hole ever with this film in in details but there's a couple that i made note of which i've always loved on repeat viewings now as random little things go ah so as an example um you know the she has the diner scene where she meets the hitman who she asked to go and kill camilla um yeah so in that scene that's obviously quite a pivotal moment for her in her life because she's telling she's basically hiring someone to kill someone um when she says to to go in to what she's gonna what he wants her to do um she in the in the distance out of the window there is a blue dumpster um so is she now visualizing a blue box as that issue um and that's why in the dream we have a blue box which has locked up this horrible thing that she's done so potentially she's put it in the dumpster potentially um and for example, the 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 the, the hitman um, on the table. I don't know if you remember in the dream sequence when the hitman goes in to see his kind of friend or something. He's like, "Oh, is that it there?" And the guy's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, the 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 phone book with all the names in it or something." And it's this black kind of leather bound book that he's that he's come to get in the dream to to get this book. And in the diner sequence, the hitman just has that same leather bound book just under his arm there's no relevance to it there's no significance to it but he's got that book there so suddenly in her dream this tiny thing that he had with him is now context for his storyline in her dream so i i only picked up that book this time while watching i just suddenly saw under his arm the same book that is is the entire storyline for that character in her dream so there's 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 a, a million little things like that um a lot of things to do with the color blue as well which you may have seen as like a a a motive going through the film um but for example just as just in the very very last fraction of the film there just as she gets her gun to shoot herself she pulls it out from a drawer and just next to the gun is a blue box now whether that blue box has her jewelry in it maybe it's got some of camilla's old things but again it's another blue box to conceptualize Mm what she's doing and maybe that's the last thing she she sees there is this blue box as well and that's why it's now given more weight in the dream and and for example so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects like that that you can really go go mad over um and all the, mm. the all the name changing as well so um in 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 the dream Naomi Watts's character is Betty is, is the character but in real life Betty is the name of the waitress at the diner when she meets yeah. the, the killer um 
Camilla. Betty is kind of like a more 1950s idyllic name as well. Absolutely. So it's kind of this mm. kind of perfect persona. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I love as well is that you're, you're given the hint of that happening with the way that Rita, in quotes, gets her name. She finds it on a poster. So other characters in the stream are finding names because, from real life and being assigned them incorrectly. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think that that's that's a big aspect of the, of the film in in kind of conceptualizing that dream in real life. Small aspects. Um, Chris, did you? We I think were you about to say something? Sorry, I just went on a massive tangent about tiny details there. No, I just I just wondered um, before we sort of like start thinking about what our what our thoughts are on the whole film and and do our sort of mm. patented uh, review scale. I just wondered if anyone wanted to say like what was their like favorite moment what is the moment that kind of sticks yes. out to you um yeah yeah from the film you've watched i don't know obviously you know i don't know andy do you want to go first so that um we've got yeah. the time to think yeah yeah abs- absolutely um i i've always been so there, there's 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 so many to 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 look to um pick from um I, I love when um the director kind of gets adam gets strong-armed by the gangsters that scene is phenomenal i love her real acting with the uh kind of sleazy old actor in in her audition um but i i always have to and this is just from the very first time of ever seeing it the um club the silencio club is just one of my favorite things in a film ever because of um just initially even the the entrance to it so I, i'm not sure if you remember but they their cab arrives and they get out of the cab and the camera is really far down a car like a car park down the other side and then just as they go to the door it starts kind of running towards them and rushing up and it's so uncomfortable feeling um and off that then you have these this kind of this conductor guy kind of saying uh what, what is that I, I think i wrote it down there is no um, band yeah no high bando um silencio and that everything in this place is pre-recorded it's all fake and in my mind i just have that as that guy is basically like david lynch just saying like film is fake here i'm gonna raise the curtain and show you that everything's fake and it's also at the same time um Betty or kind of um, uh, Diane kind of realising that the dream is fake, that everything she's made up in her head is made up and that comes crashing down and then that's the moment she kind of begins to wake up and and, uh, and realise how, how crap everything is and this dream isn't real. Um, so I love that just for, just for, I think you can pick it apart for days with different details and I, I love that aspect about it. Cool. Uh, does anyone else... Uh have a specific favorite yeah. moment or bit that sticks out well i think um i was yeah because i found it so kind of unsettling at the start and like this like the minutiae of it like just the creepy smiling and even when she gets into the airport and the taxi driver just already takes her bags and he's just like so i don't know just a quite a, like a creepy man and he's and she's like oh my bags and then he's like where are you going to um but the part which kind of it was all yeah a bit of light comic relief really was the um and i really enjoyed was the assassin the assassin um shooting the guy yeah. with the book <laughs> and then accidentally <laughs> shooting through the wall 
and then that whole fiasco and then the cleaner sees him and I, re- I just really enjoyed that part I thought it was like a, yeah. a sort of farcical comedy of errors and it just like kind of I think I, but then I thought it was setting up for something else for a whole different kind of sort of Hitman-esque type um, ordeal with the two characters or something Yeah, it, it just completely changed it almost but, feels like um, Pulp Fiction-y doesn't it that scene it like, did like yeah, a there Tarantino was a lot of parts film. which felt very Tarantino to me but then um, I think maybe just purely because now I associate American diners with Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. They're synonymous now for me. Um, I did feel that Lynch to me, like my impression of it is Tarantino in sepia. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah. I think there's other um, like comparisons you could make like um, Vonnegut... Um, I, I kept thinking Pynchon. I haven't read any Pynchon, but everything I've read about Pynchon makes me think yeah. that that's what this would be like. Um, Will, yeah. was there any part of the film that um, like really stuck out to you? Is there anything that like you really enjoyed and at your favourite moment, maybe? Yeah, so I think my favourite... I, I wouldn't say it's one scene, but after she's woken up as Diane, and then it all sort of starts to shift... And it feels like it's coming together. I think that's the the favourite feeling I had while watching the film. I did also like lots of little vignettes and motifs, um, like you know the commentary on the film. Like I, I also picked up on the uh, silencio, and th- this is kind of a commentary on what filmmaking is. Mm. Uh, but yeah, definitely Diane waking up and being like, "Oh, hang on, she's Diane now. What's going on?" Oh no, hang on a minute, this is the same as what was happening before, but a little bit more detailed and a little bit better acting. And the fact that you have a director who can control the quality of your actor's acting is like nothing else I think I've seen mm. like varied in a film. Mm. That was what I found incredible, just to the fact that they were able to kind of just, you know, turn it up, turn it off, and just kind of... The fact at the start, I think Coco, her um, the, the the landlady in the dream sequence, um, who's the director's mum yeah. in in, the, in real life, seeing her acting like, when she's introducing her to the, to the apartment, I remember just going, "Where the hell is this? His mate or something? How the hell has she been cast in this?" Honest, honestly, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk a bit about um, some other stuff, but uh, yeah, honestly, if you watch Twin Peaks, especially like the the first two series of Twin Peaks it, like imagine everybody in the town is like that woman <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but maybe a bit it just felt like an eight. it may be even it weirder like an 80s sort of sitcom like a soap opera <laughs> yeah. or something yeah I, th- I think a couple of motifs I really liked were the bad filmmaking like it, it, the camera cut to her I think a full half second before she started speaking <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and something that happens several times is characters saying a line wrong like you can hear from the words what it's supposed to be but they've said it completely differently as to what it's supposed to what what the what the words actually mean mm. Mm. yeah absolutely Crit- i also enjoyed the the um just purely the director's journey from the start to the finish yeah just because i felt like it was kind of it, i don't know it felt like it was Lynch, obviously, because he's quite a divisive filmmaker, I suppose, in some aspects. Yeah, like, for sure. A lot of people dislike his films. Um, he's probably had to struggle with kind of people 
uh, shutting him down, demanding that certain actors be cast or something. So when I was watching the director's scene, I was constantly like, oh, maybe this is like a sort of comment on how Lynch found it difficult to 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 make, get get these films made and he had yeah. to sort of compromise i think without a so doubt I was like really rooting for him um but then at the same time with the uh justin theroux was the was the director all i could think when i was watching was louis theroux's cousin louis theroux's cousin louis theroux's cousin louis theroux's cousin, <laughs> louis theroux's cousin. <laughs> so but yeah no, I, I really enjoyed it and i liked the uh the, the paint scene as well oh yeah Very classic um chris did you did you have a favorite scene uh, yeah, it's it's just linked off that really the whole the whole of the um, director parts because like I said that's the bit that really sort of clicked more in my head that it's basically her just kind of being mean to this guy and he goes from like awful situation of having literal lit- the literal mob take over his film to then uh, getting home and finding that his wife is in bed with the pool guy um, yeah and and I think <laughs> it was my favorite I t- I actually texted Andy this as, as I was watching it but it's just he gets in and is like, what the hell is going on? And his wife starts having a go at him and, and, and he takes all of her jewellery and as she runs after him, Billy Ray Cyrus is just laying in bed and he just goes, well, he's probably upset, Lorraine. Like that. <laughs> it's just <laughs> such like, it's such like perfect. And, and, and like, like the bit where they, like you said, Tom, about the, um, the mob boss who has the bit of espresso and then just spits it out onto the, <laughs> onto the thing. That, but by the way, that's actually um, the guy playing the mob boss is uh, Angelo Badalamenti, who is in charge of all the sound and does all the music for Twin Peaks as well. Um, oh, so wow. that's a cooler bit. So yeah, he he's an absolute genius that guy. But and he, and that that whole scene is just like everything so good about what I like about David Lynch. Where it's so weird. And yet, so uncomfortable and funny, and just generally odd. That's like everything that I love about uh, the David mm. Lynch films, or at least the ones that I've seen. I'm not. I don't think I've seen all of them, but mm. um, yeah. What would you say is a good like next thing to see? Ah, perfect transition. Well, I love that. Um, perfect. So I, I made a, I made a little list of ones. I've seen a couple of others as well, but these are the ones that really stuck out. Now. I think for me, the f- my first recommendation would be Twin Peaks without a shadow of a doubt. I, it's it's a much bigger um, undertaking. It's a huge commitment. <laughs> yeah, in that there are like three se- well three seasons of it now. Um, you know, it, it, to put it into the, to put it into like to boil it down very unfairly, it's a murder mystery, but David Lynch did it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah set over a few seasons series three which happened in 2017 um oh my goodness uh i think yeah i think just off the back of what, what you kind of saying about twin peaks i think it is a great way to to go off this film um because it is kind of the the purest version of him because i i know he he's a big he's a he loves film he's a very classic old kind of film guy but he also kind of i think he prefers tv as a general medium um because of the ability to tell a continuous story and and twin peaks you really see that come out in spades and series three i mean it's it's totally wild but it was it was wild having it on tv at the same time as things like game of thrones because it's such an huge middle finger to the entire industry and the entire audience at the same time as being amazing and <laughs> having that come out the balls to break, to create that tv show and some of the episodes that happen is is like ridiculous in hindsight like, i cannot believe some of that stuff was made 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's not even joking, and this is just kind of from my memory, but I think there is like a sort of 26, 27 minute black and white, um, like kind of interpretive music with different like colours and just visions coming on the screen, like for, for like half of a whole episode. Um, no, it's it, that. So that that's the infamous. So it's an episode. So every episode was called part one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, blah, 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 blah. And that's part eight. And I think if you if you do get into it and you look at it, part part eight is like widely considered like one of the greatest single pieces of television t- storytelling ever, um, and definitely one of the most avant garde things that's ever been put on TV. And it, the entire episode is black or white, and it it, it goes through everything. It go, everything you can imagine that could be contained in a t- single episode of TV, everything's kind of covered. Um, it's wild. What is so yeah. wild? Um, yeah, so Twin, Twin Peaks. I mean, if you can, the thing is, even if you can just watch like season, series one of Twin Peaks, kind of just works on its own. If you just watch that, but I would strongly suggest trying to watch it and not uh not look anything up about it because you can be spoiled for it i think i think that's fair to say yeah yeah, yeah. um because it is like it's like a whodunit uh, as well as being a crazy okay. david lynch thing um is that part of the film as well there's a film of it am I? oh firewalk with me i've actually not seen firewalk with me Tw- yeah I, w- I watched it not too long ago actually um it's, it's kind of like a prequely type thing but because it's lynch it doesn't quite work that oh, way um also the, the movie 100 percent spoils it i think doesn't it yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I would only okay. watch that because it's also not like it is canon, but it's not like it's not the same really. Not necessary to the series. Absolutely, no, no. absolutely. It's it's more giving background to a character from the beginning of the series. Kind of <laughs> yeah. <stuff>. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I I have a feeling that um, the name of the wind TV shows and movies are going to do that to uh, Rothfuss's books. How do you mean? Sorry, how do you mean? So like you have. A what is intended to be a standalone piece. Yeah. Um, you have Twin Peaks. Uh, was it two series originally in 1992? Uh, yeah, yeah. 1990 to 91, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with Rothfuss, you've got two books. Um, but in one, you have David Lynch making a film, uh, which, as you you said, I haven't seen it, but it spoils it. Um, and then we have. Rothfuss's King Killer Chronicle films and TV series that are currently in the works. Oh, really? And yeah, like I can't see how they're going to do it without spoiling some mysteries or c- confirming or denying some yeah. things that haven't actually been established. Yeah, I mean, this is more. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's kind of like how when Game of Thrones started going off source material, I guess, and and sort of showing fates of characters and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but this is yeah, more just kind of like if you watch the film you will just know who who it was that did the murder um mm. well yeah i guess this is the difference in that game of thrones you can basically cut out the rot like if you are a purist you can get to the end of season four season five and then just say in your head yeah. the rest isn't canon hasn't been decided i can make it up in my own head whereas if you are confirming who's been killed or like establishing various aspects of you know the the wider law um that is where it kind of spoils the original material yeah yeah definitely yeah just just to confirm though that so the film came out i think 92 so and it is it is a prequel to the tv show um so it's it's not like it's only an issue the film is only an issue if you watch it before the tv show 
but it is it is a prequel to the TV show, so it, it shouldn't ever be watched that way anyway. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah. Um, just other things. So the rest are all movies. Um, the t- I've got I've got two that I would super recommend people watch, um, and in a specific order as well. Um, if you enjoyed uh, Marvel and Drive, you liked Twin Peaks. I think Lost Highway um, is mm. a really cool movie to watch. It's a little bit well. It's a lot less. Um, difficult to kind of interpret what's going on but it's got a similar kind of similar theme kind of vibe yeah yeah and a similar vibe and I, i'd say in some ways almost like a bit more unsettling i think oh yeah or, no there's definitely more it's definitely a more unsettling film for sure yeah i'd also say it's a bit more straightforward from memory uh it's been a while since i've seen it um the other film that i suggest watching um if you enjoyed marvel and drive and you enjoy lost highway um is inland empire um, oh boy and yeah uh, you're really swinging for the fences with these recommendations well the, you know the other two that I wrote down w- was Blue Velvet and Eraserhead but I, I think I prefer Inland Empire to them um, sure 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 but sure. this the, like Inland Empire is uh, <laughs> it's just like the, it's the king of the that first person perspective um, being not sure of um where you are what's going on it's kind i almost feel like it's marvel and drive like to the nth degree like it's mm. even it's even harder to actually know what's going on it's got more unsettling moments it's 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 hugely long i think as well isn't it it's over three yeah, hours yeah, i think yeah yeah, 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 yeah. um but it's, it's, it's also you know everything pushed further yeah and it's got it's got stuff where like there's a part in the film i think i don't know, i can't remember if it's just one section or if it goes back to it where you see like these weird mouse mice people um, rabbits oh is it rabbits sorry yeah well there's yeah. these rabbits people who are like talking to each other but then there's there's dialogue from the actors from twin uh, from Mulholland Drive but they're not in the film and, it, and it's weird how it, it it's very odd very yeah. very odd it's, it's kind of almost like a like you want it feels at points almost kind of like a play um, yeah I, th- with I think people I think like with people like looking off stage and, and stuff like that, stuff that you can't see and very, very odd, but really cool. Though, really cool. Though, those scenes you were talking about of the rabbits, I think they started as initially as a web TV series that he did. And then he kind of expanded the idea into the rest of the film. And that yeah. that's kind of the bit that's left over. Just like Mulholland Drive, I think originally started as a TV show that didn't get made. And then they fleshed it and then they kind of built it around into a film. Yeah. Um, Oh right, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it originally was meant to be a TV show, but I think a- ABC didn't take it on. So then it it got canned and then remade into a film instead. Um, That's weird to me. It feels like a film, and it feels like a, a fairly complete piece as a film. Mm, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I I would totally agree with Chris's recommendations. I think they're both both fantastic. Um, uh, funny enough, if you ask me for two, I would give you two totally different ones. In uh, a Razorhead, which is his, I think it's his first film. And if you want to kind of get to the basics of of Lynch, that that is it in the most surreal experience um, you, you might ever see in a film. Um, it's completely so bizarre, um, but wonderful in that way. And yeah, an incredible debut. Um, and then the other one is The Elephant Man, um, because it's 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 a standard film done by lynch um there's there's no real ambiguity about it um amazing performance when it's john hurt isn't it chris yeah it is john hurt yeah Mm, playing yeah yeah um just a really beautifully filmed film with a very kind of um touching message with it as well Hmm. 
But yeah, those those are definitely some recommendations for sure. Awesome. Um, so what I want to do then is is kind of discuss this uh, this idea of what we would what we would maybe like rate this film and, and kind of what we do before we give our ratings is talk about the um, the kind of like the is this is this the sort of film that you would be comfortable watching with someone like on a first date? <laughs> this I is think the, I can answer that already. <laughs> this has pushed this uh, rating to its furthest limit. I think. Uh, I mean, we did we did it for Knives Out. We did it for <laughs> other stuff we talked about. Yeah. So we kind of got to do it for this one as well. I mean, what 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 do you think they'd say if you know you you, you swipe <laughs> you swipe right on someone you, you go oh come over I'll show you this this cool film uh, on your first date. <laughs> I mean, shoot to kill with that one. It's either win <laughs> yeah. or completely lose. <laughs> Good litmus Couldn't test. Agree more. You're you're either going to come out. They'll think that you're an absolute intellectual genius. And they're like, wow, this guy just consumes these types of films for fun. On <laughs> like just off, and then or they'll think, oh my god, this person's insufferable. If we have to, I just want to watch. You know, I just want to watch Anchorman. <laughs> yeah, I have to watch this. So I mean, it depends on the caliber of date. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I suppose the other issue could be that that you know if they were questioning their sexuality you know there's some mm. points in this film where it's they might f- it might tip them one way or the other. Yeah. It's very erotic. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is very, very erotic. She looked in front of her, she looked to the side, she looked in front of her again and that's when I knew I'd lost her. <laughs> <laughs> um so I mean so we do we have our patented review scale for for movies and TV shows on realize um so andy what would you give this film if you were scoring it yeah and uh, just to confirm as well is this is this the first date rating or is this the just the the film rating this, this is just your film rating my film, film rating, rating yeah okay so i would i would give twin peaks a mulholland drive twin peaks, sorry, twin peaks oh my goodness sorry mulholland drive <laughs> I mean, I've got Twin, Pe- Twin Peaks I've got, in your own time. I've got Twin Peaks on my mind because I keep looking at a picture of it. Um, Mulholland Drive. I would give Mulholland Drive a 69. Excellent. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a strong score. Um, uh, Tom, what are you thinking? I'd give it a 69. Oh, that's good. That, that's good. That's a, that's a, that seems like a solid score. Positive. That. Yeah, yeah, quite a positive sounding score. Um, Will, what's your, what's your uh, score for this one? Uh, so I, I've thought long and hard about this, and I think my <laughs> score would be sixty nine. Nice. Whoa, I like the I like in- intrigue at the beginning. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. Intrigue going into respect, <laughs> going into surprise. <laughs> and then finishing off again with confusion. Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't, That's I, it. Sorry, Tom. You I think I think I I found that I, when as soon as I finished it, I thought, right, I've watched that. Probably won't ever watch that again. But then after kind of debriefing and discussing it more, I go, oh, I really want to watch that again. Yes. Now and <laughs> yeah. Actually, pick up on it. And it's Absolutely, like, man. Yeah, give it a bit. Give it a so bit of time, and uh, I'll jump back in. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Chris, I would I would one hundred percent give this film um, a. Well, uh, Probably a silencio. Uh, sorry, uh, I mean sixty-nine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so that is that is Mulholland Drive. 
so thank you so much for um for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure to chat through Mulholland Drive uh with you um I guess this th- at this point we sort of start to like plug everything don't we so I guess you can uh you can go to our website which is in dreamsclub.com you can follow us on twitter at in dreams club um you can listen to bomb squad which is a playstation podcast that we do and we talk about video games and stuff um uh tom do you want to like just chuck you chuck your, your deets out yeah we're on uh jez and tom look us up we're on every jez and tom a n d uh on everything so twitter facebook instagram uh youtube tiktok the full works love it love it Thank um will do you want to tell everyone where you live or <laughs> yeah, so I live at 118 uh, Mulholland Drive. Oh, <laughs> nice. If you'd nice. got the actual number that she was going to, I would have been very impressed. It was I like, don't think it is. It was like 6981. Something, yeah. Something it definitely, yeah. It definitely began with 69 because I was like, nice. Nice. <laughs> very um, intentional. <laughs> so thank you very much for uh, for listening in. Please listen to any other episodes if you enjoyed this one. And we will see you on the next episode of Real Eyes. Goodbye. Silencio. Silencio. I think that'll work in post.